Welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast, the big picture of business, learning from the recession and moving forward. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, the big picture of business learning from the recession and moving forward. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this episode, Hank Moore, corporate strategist and author of The Business Tree, shares with us his insights on achieving marketplace success during and following an economic downturn. In this podcast, we explore the lessons learned from the most significant financial downturn since the Great Depression and what business leaders should do in order to succeed today and effectively navigate future downturns. So now... Without any further delay, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Hank Moore, corporate strategist and author of The Business Tree. Hank has advised more than 5,000 client organizations worldwide, including 100 of the Fortune 500, public sector agencies, small businesses, and nonprofit organizations. He has advised two U.S. presidents and spoken at five economic summits. Hank guides company leaders through the development of growth strategies, visioning, and strategic planning readying them to navigate the big-picture issues profoundly affecting today's business climate. The business tree is his trademarked approach for growing, strengthening, and evolving business while mastering change. Hank, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. My pleasure to visit with you. I am thrilled to finally have you on the show. You've been publishing articles on our website every month. Uh, Your column comes out, of course, on the first Friday of every month for over a year now. And our audience has not only been fortunate to receive your insights, but thrilled to receive them as well as viewership of our website always goes up when your column gets published. So I am thrilled to be able to talk to you in person. My pleasure. Hank, to start out with. In this podcast interview, we were planning to talk about the current recession we're in. Mm-hmm. When we think about the origin of the recession, we think back to the housing and the financial market meltdown that occurred in the summer of 2008. And I know if we get economists involved, they'll tell us that they, they did some math. And the math would say that the recession started in December of 2007, and it ended officially in June of 2009. Regardless of the math, do you see us as actually having exited the recession? 
Yes, uh, I, I see it out as this out of this recession. Uh, I am already predicting the next recession in another six or seven years, uh, mainly because uh, business goes through cycles and the process of getting out of the recession, in other words, how business decides that it's going to, to plan and strategize and do a lot of the things this next time that it didn't the last time, is going to, if business comes out of this recession more robustly, then the hope is that we can all put off the next recession. Inevitably, there is another recession because a lot of businesses don't want to change. They don't want to recognize that they needed to do things differently. But small and mid-sized businesses have had to embrace change like they never did before. And the part that scares me the most and, and where people say we're, we're hooking back into a recession is corporate America is trying really, really hard to go back to its old ways of doing things. There are some corporations out there, and I've worked with 100 of the Fortune 500, and I've worked with companies of all sizes. The ones that really recognize that they've got to change and they've had to do things differently are going to be healthier. So the real recovery from the recession, in answer to your question, is how robustly and how seriously people take to heart the need to change and grow. And I think there are growth opportunities. Some of the best opportunities out there are just right in front of our noses, but that's why seasoned advisors need to help businesses understand what's really a strength. Too many people out there are still shell-shocked from the recession, and they're still seeing more negatives out there than they need to see. Thinking about those those negatives, and I, I know we get bombarded with this every night, it seems like, on the TV. Do you see us getting back or getting out of that shell-shock and, and getting back to an energy level and confidence that we experienced pre-2007 here in yes. the near term? I, I see it over the next year, and, and, and I'm looking at it from a senior business advisor level. Uh, economists, per se, have never run businesses, and, the, and business advisors and strategists, which is a whole different skill set and a whole different vantage point, than economists have, because economists a lot of times are going to be looking at from research and from numbers-only perspective. But when you look at uh, the entrepreneurial spirit out there, it's stronger than it's ever been. There is a will to come back, and and they're just the, the there are some companies that are starting to really do the right things that they probably should have done. Now I've been involved in observing probably six or so recessions over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the last ones was the, the dot-com bust back in the, in the late uh, 90s. And I was advising a lot of companies back then that, you know, they kept saying, well, all the old protocols of business don't apply to us. Uh, we get to write our own rules. That was what started causing the current recession, was people thinking that there could be shortcuts taken, that, uh, you know, accountability wasn't in order. Uh, then you get into the subject of regulations and deregulation. Uh, my personal 
belief is the deregulation of certain industries back in the 80s is what led to the current recession. Okay. Deregulation of banking and, and airlines and transportation. You know, I'm not saying we need to go out and re-regulate everything, but there are certain kinds of accountabilities that had they been in place, had the Securities and Exchange Commission been uh, really on top of what mm-hmm. they would have done, there's so many issues, and there's there's a little blame to go around every one of us could probably have done something a little better. So I don't mean to take a cheap shot and say, let's let's blame, you know, stakeholder A or stakeholder B. I think there's a lot of uh, kind of a sleep-at-the-wheel-ism that went on, and I think a lot of that new entrepreneurial spirit is going to get us out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Hank... Thinking about some of these fundamental underlying causes of the recessions, aside from some of the regulations and things, are there some things in businesses themselves, some behaviors or practices that contribute or contributed to our being in the last recession? Oh, yes. Uh uh, business has a terrible way of, of wanting to focus too much on the, the micro niche uh, rather than the macro. They weren't looking at strategy. They were looking only at, at market share or numbers or two or three of the, of the key areas. Uh, too many businesses wanted what someone else had. One of the, the, the best pieces of advice I was ever given by a mentor and give other people is you can't go around being a carbon copy of someone else. You know, you've got to create your own personal best. And and then so yeah, there were just a lot of areas there that that we could have had we looked at it. And I you know, I gotta tell you, I was at, I've advised a lot of clients over the years and I was and and so often they just didn't want to hear. You know, they mm-hmm. kept saying, Hey, how can we do the shortcuts? And it, it's just, uh, you know, there, there's a little, uh, uh, one of the glimmers of hope, I think, is from a couple of flat years, I think those who weather the current downturn are going to be the most successful. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think it's bottomed out, but I think we just have to be uh, really careful in stepping forward. Thinking about that stepping forward, we hear often about, companies holding on to cash, that we've got a lot of retained cash assets that just aren't being put to use in the present environment. What do you see as being the causes that are driving that cash retention? Fear uh, and and wondering what's going to happen next. Uh, they're they're scared to make investments. I mean, they're the banks that are going to be the most successful in the next couple of years moving forward are the ones that are lending money now. I mean, if it's it's a it's a misconception to say that no one is lending right now. There are some wonderful opportunities out there, but um, you know, it, it's just it's it's so easy to uh, to stay paralyzed, and I just don't know that that. You know, we can all do that, you know. Um, 
waves of regulation, re-regulation are coming. Now, the secret is, is it, is it going to be for the good or for, for the bad? Uh, certain kinds of industries, can we say the airlines, uh, should have stayed regulated all along. We, they would have been in a better market position if they had not been deregulated, but you can't go back and, and totally change everything. Uh, I went to Congress uh, many years. I've testified several times to Congress over the years, and one of the most frustrating experiences I had as a business guru, uh, I went to Congress a, a number a few years ago and testified against deregulating the broadcasting industry. And I said, the reason that I'm here to testify uh, uh, against doing that, they said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, within a few years, a handful of companies are going to own all the, all the radio stations and TV stations. There's going to be no local accountability. There's going to be no local community service. All they're going to do is, is uh, uh, you know, get profiteer off, off of what used to be uh, local uh, uh enterprises and I said the main reason that I would that I'm testifying against deregulating broadcasting is I think I'm, I'm testifying on behalf of the nonprofit culture the communities uh, that are going to suffer every nonprofit organization is going to be suffering and what do we see now you know as a result of that uh, radio and TV stations are selling what they used to have to give away as public service and every public sector entity and every college now has to spend taxpayer dollars to promote their wares. And, and it's kind of like uh, the whole, the, you know, and, and uh, the same could be said for other industries. I think the industry that's benefited the best from deregulation is the telecommunications industry. I think, uh, but, you know, where there is some free enterprise, there, there are some really good opportunities, and, and I think we need to constantly look back at those small businesses because 99.7% of all businesses in America are small and mid-sized businesses. Yeah. They're, they're most of the business starts. They have a very good success ratio if, if you look at those kinds of things, although research also tells us that 667 percent of all businesses in America cannot grow any further. And that's a whole other issue where strategy and, and planning uh, and analysis have to factor in in looking at a company is, has it maxed out? Is enough enough? Can it really grow anymore? And that's one of the things that contributed to the current recession is this fervor and this frenzy in corporate America that we just want to grow, grow, grow for the sake of growth. And uh, sometimes um, you need to streamline a little bit <laughs> and right. look back. Yes, yes. Now, Hank, what do you see as being some of the key market conditions that would trigger or that business leaders ought to look for to initiate some of their spending of, of this cash that they're holding in reserve? Well, I, I, I would advise some of them to uh, uh, find creative ways to collaborate. Don't think that you can necessarily uh, run every function. You know, there's only four ways to grow a business. You're going to sell more customers. You're going to cross-sell existing customers. You're going you're to create new products and services, or you're going to collaborate. 
And I think a, a couple of the articles I've written for you before for the, for the website have been on the order of collaborations, partnering, and joint venturing. That's the number one trend. And entrepreneurs and smaller businesses, by their nature, have had to collaborate more. But you're starting to see corporate America. I mean, when Kinko's and FedEx get together and, and have retail stores, they didn't merge. That's a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my corporate clients called me recently, uh, uh, a little company a lot of people may have heard of called Disney, and uh, they they called and the chief legal counsel called after the cruise ship uh, debacle happened, you know, uh, three four months ago, and they said we finally understand what you said seven years ago when you were talking to us about cruise ships. And I said, oh, you mean when I said, why do you have to operate every aspect of a cruise ship? Why can't you change your uh, involvement to licensing your name and likeness, getting 35% of the gross, and uh, letting other people get the lawsuits? You mean when I said that? They said, yeah, now it's sunk in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and by the way, and, and they're a wonderful, they've been a wonderful client for many years, and a lot of the clients... Uh, you know they they get to a crossroads, and what what you and I do as advisors try to do with them is we we don't want to go in and read them the right act. I take the premise with a lot of companies that they've got the answers just outside their reach, and what you want to do is to give them permission to succeed. I think too many corporations in America are so married to failing into doing everything the old way that they always did it. And that mentality is what's going to hasten the next recession and what's going to then push back and keep the next recession from happening is the entrepreneurial mentality, which basically is, yeah, we'll try different things. Um, We'll be successful at most of them. Uh, I've found that small and mid-sized businesses, an, an operator of a, of a small business, generally wears about 10 hats every day, and they get pretty good at eight of the hats, which is seven and a half hats more than the average corporate mid-manager ever gets good at. Uh, you know, corporate mid-manager mentality is... is uh, part of the downfall of a lot of strategies that didn't work or weren't given enough time to work. So, yeah, it, it's just, you know, I, I, I never miss an opportunity, and this is one of them, to pat small business on the back for trying new things and realizing that you learn from the failure. One of the things that I recommend in, in companies and pulling out of the current recession is really do a better study of your competition and what brought the other guys down. Generally, it was they weren't in the right core business for the right reasons. They were doing a lot of the wrong things. In many cases, their timing, their partnering was wrong. You know, there were a whole host of issues, and money and the availability of money was only one of them. But generally, uh, it's just people doing things with a shooting from the hip mentality and if if business could just simply replace that old way of thinking and doing business with the new way which is getting a mentor listening to what they say plan your business 
identify stakeholders, you know, and I'm not just talking about stockholders, I'm talking about stakeholders, people outside your company that could make or break you. Um, you know, uh, predict and benefit from the cycles in business and then learn from the business crises. You know, if, if every single business does not get something that they're not out of the current recession that they're not going to do next time, then the whole thing did no good. And I'm not saying that we as advisors go around and be talking doom and gloom all the time. Uh, I, I think the better way is to be positive, to be upbeat, to say you can do it, but periodically do go back and review what brought us down and what brought down certain companies. And I think within those failures of others are going to be those little nuggets of gold that are going to get your company to the next level. Hank, one of the outcrops of our current recession, or the most recent one, was the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. How do you see that as impacting businesses going forward? Well, uh, and, and, and the cousin of that, the question always comes down to uh, corporate ethics and responsibility. You know, when, mm-hmm. when, when, when people talk about, you, you know, uh, I think that that particular piece of legislation, and, I, and I, this is not a political comment, I always try to stay apolitical, uh, it was an effort to try and do some things. It was probably a little too far-reaching. I think as certain parts of regulation and re-regulation get refined, uh, you know, the the uh, too much of what went into Dot Frank was to try and make up for 30 years of lax regulations. And so to say that it was entirely bad, it wasn't. It was probably overreaching to try and, you know, to get that pendulum swinging back. I think the next levels of regulations that are coming down the pike, uh, such as banking, are going to be a little more middle ground. And the real issue is going to get some of those regulations on the books to either do something or suspend their activities. You know, one of the agencies that I've been the most concerned about over a number of years is the Securities and Exchange Commission. And had they been more awake at the switch, Enron-type situations wouldn't have happened. Uh, and, And by the way, I predicted the Enron's downfall 10 years before it happened. And I don't like uh-huh. being right about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I met uh, Enron. Uh, uh, it, I saw them at the very, very beginning. I, a quick story, you know, sometimes these case studies, you know, when, when you've been there and, and, and it happens. A, a CEO of a very large bank holding company, uh, the chairman, called me one, one day, uh, and, and it was the company that merged into J.P. Morgan Chase. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the the bank the head of the bank who was a good friend of mine and we served on a bunch of charity boards, they said there's this new guy and he wants to be one of us, and uh, he wants to be part of the CEO network. Would you go meet with him? And I'd really like you to to vet him and tell me what you think of him. Okay. So then I go to lunch one day, and it turns out the person I'm having lunch with is Ken Lay. 
Uh-huh. And he asked me, and I started talking about, you know, ethics and responsibility and, uh, you know, basically all that keeping the high road kind of stuff. And he said, that's all fine, and that will work for you and 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 your friends, but I'm going to do things a little differently. I said, you're, you're, going to, you're making a mistake. And he said, I just have for you one question. He said, how can I buy instant credibility? And I, I just laughed. I said, that's an insult. <laughs> You've just yeah. given me a case study that I'll be using for years. <laughs> How dare you even ask that kind of a question? You know, we in business have to prove ourselves every single day. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's fine, but I'm going to do things a little differently. And that was in, you know, that was in 1984, and I watched Enron like a hawk. I predicted its downfall as far back as 1990, and people in Houston were very codependent. They wouldn't listen. Uh, to, you know, you just can't be too, you can't be right too soon. That's a lesson I learned from one of my mentors years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Enron did file bankruptcy, I was asked by Congress to write a dossier on everything that I had seen and observed over the years. And, um, you know, for everything other than cooking the books. And I, I looked at their supply chain uh, 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 management strategy. I looked at how shabbily they treated their vendors. I looked at uh, how they built their reputation in the community with, with uh, uh, making pledges to nonprofit organizations that they never kept. I mean, I wrote a 25-page dossier for Congress and, and presented it in December of 2001. You know, it's just there are so many things that we can learn from those corporate scandals uh, with the hope that those kinds of things aren't going to happen again. I mean, in more recent years, I've worked with a couple of corporations that were in the corporate scandals and and have been rebuilding. One of the most robust corporations in America right now is Health South. Mm-hmm. And uh, their new management and their new strategy, you know, they really are doing things differently and better. You know, they learn from from their own company's downfall, and and those those lessons are there for all of us. We just need to kind of cut through the hyperbole and and understand them as business case studies. Hank, if you don't mind, just uh, an added question: How effective do you see? Sarbanes-Oxley, and and some of these other regulations that have been put into place, how effective are they at helping us in a a go-forward mode to prevent... By themselves, they're not. They were... uh, That's that's one I started to mention a couple of minutes ago with Sarbanes-Oxley. I mean, Sarbanes-Oxley is only... represents only 2% of corporate responsibility and ethics. Uh, and you get into so many other issues. I mean, cooking the books and and that kind of stuff is a minor, minor, minor part of it. Uh, there's a lot of ethical behaviors that good companies do all the time. They just don't call them ethical. And so Sarbanes-Oxley, you know, is a minor, minor part of corporate ethics. Uh, since that law came out, I've probably been asked to do about a hundred different ethics audits of companies, and some mm-hmm. of them are, are, 
you know, they're different sized companies. And one of the things that you find when that an advisor that I found, and and there's only a handful of us in America that really are qualified to do ethics audits, you're going in really to look at what they've done right. And I use a concept called three rights offset or wrong. So Surveyance Oxley only was was a minor piece of the pie, only two percent of it. And I'm not saying that there's a need to regulate the other ninety eight percent, but good uh, ethical behavior in a lot of companies is there. It just needs to be recognized and rewarded. Uh, the The current management style. And it's been in style for 10 years, although most people in, in the world have never heard of it yet. It's called customer-focused management. And that means that you tie every outcome in the company to a customer uh, you know, point, and and that you don't just treat customer focused management as customer service. That in itself is important because customer service in our society is at an all time low and getting worse, and and that's why companies have to bend over backwards sometimes to change uh, negative. But if they were as part of their planning to tie every major management decision to a customer outcome, they'd be better off. Uh, research tells us that retaining 2% of your customers from deflecting, from going elsewhere, going to a competitor. A lot of times uh, the, 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 the customers of businesses, when they leave, they don't necessarily go anywhere. They go nowhere. You know, they think, oh, well, we can do this service in-house. Well, anyway, retaining 2% of your customers from leaving, has mm-hmm. a bigger impact on your bottom line than cutting 10% out of operating expenses. Now, so what would happen then if you use customer-focused management as a strategy and really looked at your decisions, what it would take to nurture all those stakeholders? That's how you grow your share of market. That's how you create jobs. That's how you become a more healthy company. And and those companies that are looking bureaucratically, uh, you know, and so so Baines Oxley is a minor, minor, minor piece. It's the only piece of the ethics pie that ever got discussed in the media, and that's why people talk about it. So and 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 the same thing with Dot Frank. I mean, Dot Frank is only a small part of a regulatory culture. And the main thing is, are, are businesses in business to do the right thing for the right reason? Are they going to make fair products uh, and, and, and services and, and make a fair profit and be a good place to work? And if they do all those continuum things, they're going to stay in business, they're going to grow, they're going to have more jobs, and they're going to be good case studies that you and I are going to be talking about. Of, of companies that change. So, so you know, these minor pieces of anything that people have focused on, be it Dot Frank or Sobane's Oxley, uh, yeah, those are those are minor pieces. But the main thing is, is really look at the whole strategy of of doing business and tying everything to customer outcomes. And if you do that, you're going to be more successful. Hank, as my last question, just to kind of wrap everything together, sure. I was hoping that you could take us through 
what you see is the lessons learned from the recession and then the response actions that you think or would recommend that executives and managers take so that, mm-hmm. one, they're more successful today, and, of course, two, that they can weather a recession in the future. Better. Sure, sure. Well, I would say from, from a flat couple of years just past, things are moving again, and those companies that have weathered the current downturn are going to be more successful in the upturn, and they're going to, they're going to champion the upturn. I would also say those that plan and strategize will be ready for what's next because research tells us only 2% of the businesses in America even have a plan. That means 98% do not. And a lot of those of the 2% that think they have a plan, it's not a full plan. You know, it might be sales projections. The other thing that I would recommend is a, is a few, you know, wrap-up take-backs would be to recommend that every business, you need to get a business mentor. Just because somebody is in business does not mean they are uh, an authority on business. They need a good, businesses of all sizes need a good business mentor. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money, uh, but you should see that as an investment. Um, I, I would also say, that it is not easy for companies to position themselves uh, if they're not thinking very healthily. And that's what a mentor is to get people thinking of themselves as best in industry. I would also say don't be blindsided by erstwhile competition. In the current economic downturn, there are people that have been thrust into the consulting world claiming they do things for companies that they're not qualified to do. And a lot of those people have contributed to getting crisis-ridden companies stuck in it. Uh, Some of the last things that I would recommend is try to predict and benefit from cycles in business. You know, every business, if they're going to look at what's next, look at what could happen. Uh, do some scenario planning for uh, crisis management and preparedness is a topic we could we could talk about maybe on a future podcast. I've been involved in some uh, in advising companies through some high level crises. Uh, the biggest name was was the Tylenol crisis, and uh, you know sometimes research tells us that if you plan for for the eventualities of a crisis, if you do scenario planning, 85% of the time you will avert the crisis because you've pre-planned to keep it from happening. And that's what small business can can do in the, in the time moving forward. I do believe the last couple of things uh, that I would uh, observe is that waves of re-regulation are coming. I think the secret is is that wise minds must prevail. Uh, legislators are not necessarily the most qualified to write legislation. I think that business leaders and, and organizations need to step up to the plate and offer their expertise. I mean, I personally have been involved in in, in several important pieces of legislation. Uh, very, uh, I was on the committee of the Civil Rights Act of '64. I was on the committee that created the Environmental Protection Agency. So, business leaders have a place at the table and should be there. And I would just uh, let, just wrap up by saying that if companies understand 
that they that there are customer outcomes and that there are collaborators that they need to seek out and and work with. I mean, I, that's the best piece of advice I would give for business moving forward is think of creative ways of collaborating with other companies. And if you do that, you're going to be on on the upslope. And and again, there is a little blame for the recession to go around. But the main thing, there's a lot of opportunity to go around to overcome it and move forward. So I've, I'm, I'm hopefully uh, ending this part of the conversation on an upbeat because there are some great opportunities out there, uh, but you've got to make them for yourself, you know, and you've got to partner and you've got to strategize. And thinking that you can take shortcuts, that's what Ken Lee and Enron thought. Everything was about shortcuts with them. We see how that happened. Uh, but with companies on the rise, you've got some great opportunities. Absolutely. Well, Hank, I want to thank you not only for your time, but for sharing your insights with us on what we should learn from the Great Recession and the actions business leaders should take to not only succeed now, but to better position their organizations to more effectively respond to future financial downturns. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I'm looking forward to our future discussions. So thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Hank Moore for being with us today and sharing his insights on achieving marketplace success during economic downturns. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider recommending us on iTunes and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Hank Moore and the business tree at www.hankmoore.com. Until next time, so long.